We're going to hear God's word now, and uh, Alan is going to read for us. It's from Matthew chapter 20, and we're reading verses 20 to 34. And um, I think I've got a reference if you wish to follow it in the Pew Bibles. You can find it on page 29. Thank you. Find it on page 29 of the Pew Bibles. Matthew chapter 20, we come into it, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a prayer of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Well, that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to him. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but I but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them to, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son son did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy upon us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them, What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. The Lord continued his journey, which took him to Bethany and then on to Jerusalem. Thank you, Alan. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, your word that reveals more of who you are, your word that challenges, your word that encourages, your word that inspires. We pray this morning that as we think on your word, you will reveal more of yourself to us. You will encourage us where we need to be encouraged, you will inspire us where we need to be inspired, and you will challenge us where we need to be challenged. 
that we may truly be blessed as we worship you this morning. Amen. Amen. There was a man who was working in a large building and um, his role was on the ground floor and he was the caretaker for that ground floor, the lowest position that he could possibly occupy. He had no one under his authority, he just got on with his work to keep the building clean. One day as he was um, walking along there was a, a beetle and um, as sometimes happens in these little stories, uh, the beetle could speak. And um, the beetle knew that it could see that he was about to be stamped on by the man. And he said to him, please don't stamp on me. Uh, if you don't, I will grant you three wishes. And um, so the man said, okay. And uh, he said, my first wish is to move up onto the second floor. I can hear footsteps above me. I know there's something going on above. I'd like to see what that is. And so the wish is granted and the, the, the man progresses up to the next floor. And then he realises there's another floor above that. And in fact, there are many, many floors above that. So he says his second wish is to move up a floor and keep moving on and on up the floors until he gets to the top and occupies the very top job. And so over a period of time, yes, that's exactly what happens. He continues moving up the floors and getting to the top, where suddenly he is the boss of the whole corporation. Everyone is under him. He knows he's arrived. Until one day, when he hears some footsteps of somebody walking up higher. And he goes and investigates and sees that they've gone up to the roof. And he asks the person what he's doing. He says, well... I've come up here so that I can pray to God in heaven. And the man says, you mean there's someone above me? And so he summons the beetle back and says, my third wish is this, that I would become God and have the very same job that God would have if he came to this earth. The next day, he found himself back in the basement, cleaning up. just a little story, but illustrates very powerfully actually the role that Christ came to take when he came into this world. Christ came to live among us and be one of us. And as we thought of last week and we thought of the attitude of Christ, we recognise that he came as a servant. He took on the lowliest roles in order that we might be blessed. It's interesting to note that the same words in the Gospels, the same words in the Old Testament for serving and ministry, they are the same words. You know, serving and ministry. We often look, particularly in the world today, and we think, well, ministry is the role of some. And particularly we look at ministry being involved for those who are working full time. But that's a misunderstanding of what ministry actually is. Because ministry and service are the same words. They're the same things. Ministry is about serving. Serving is about ministry. And you and I are called to serve God, which means you and I are called to be his ministers. We are each called 
to minister for God. And you and I have been shaped for serving God. God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us for a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. We have been made by God to live in union with him. He has created for us a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. We're not saved by our works, but we are saved for good works. Our response to God is to offer ourselves in service of him. You cannot have a Christian who does not serve. It's a contradiction in terms. Service and faith go together. And you and I have been shaped for serving God. We all have a ministry that God has called us to. And that's what we're thinking about this morning. As we carry on asking this question, what is the purpose of my life? One of the purposes is to serve God. And each of us needs to work and discover what serving God means for us. Because we're not all the same. We all have different gifts. We're all shaped differently. But each of us has a role in God's kingdom. Each of us is important to God. The incredible truth is this, that God's work in this world happens through his servants that he has called. You know, sometimes I think, if I was God, wouldn't I come up with a better plan than that? Because I know the faults and the failings that I have. We can look around and you probably know the faults and failings that you have. We're not perfect people, and yet God has chosen to use you and me to be the people who carry out his work here on earth. Incredible. An incredible truth, but an incredible challenge as well. You and I have been shaped for serving God. And so this morning, what I want to think about is if we're serving God, what is that going to look like? To have a servant-hearted ministry, to be offering ourselves to God, what is that going to look like? What is it going to mean for you and me? And we're just going to take some examples of what that might mean. It's not an all-inclusive list. But it's just one or two things to think about that come out from this passage in Matthew's Gospel that we have read. It's interesting as we look at that, that we have two groups of people. We have Jesus, the perfect servant, and we have the disciples, the imperfect ones, who go on to be the ones that God builds the church around. And so we'll be thinking of them this morning. And there are three things that I want to talk about. And I think we will see barriers to our serving God uh, as we talk about these things as well. So the first thing that I want to look at is about being available. And um, we're starting actually, it might seem a little bit strange, but we're starting at the end of that reading. And um, we're going to look particularly at the verses 30 to 34. We've got a situation here where if you use your imaginations for a moment, uh, think of a a hot day and um, there are a couple of blind people sitting on the road, sitting by the roadside. And it's a little bit unusual today because they're aware that there's increased activity. 
the road which, while it, it does have people travelling along it, is suddenly becoming very, very busy. And there are crowds of people walking along. Why? Well, they seek to find out why there are lots of people and they ask others around them and, and they discover that the reason is that Jesus Christ is walking along that way. He's well on his way to Jerusalem now to what will be his death on the cross. And um, they've heard about this chap, Jesus. They know he's a bit of a, a miracle worker. And um, here they are, blind. And Jesus has been able to heal people in the past. So what do they do? Well, they, they start shouting out to him as he goes by, Son of David, take pity on us. Come and heal us. Make us see again. And the crowd offer their derision and tell them to be quiet. They want to hear what Jesus is saying. They want to see what Jesus is doing. They don't want to hear from two blind men who are sitting on the side of the road. But they're not to be deterred and they call out again and again. And Jesus stopped and asks them, what do you want me to do for you? And they ask him to give their, them their sight back and Jesus does that. There are two words that make me stop and take notice in that story as I'm thinking about service. And it's this. Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Jesus was on his way to fulfil his ministry in Jerusalem. He was going to die on the cross. But in serving God, he was prepared to stop as there were other needs he could see around him. He was available. And if you read the Gospel stories, you might be surprised at the number of times you read that Jesus stopped. Jesus changed the path that he was on, where he was going somewhere and going to do something, but there was a need and he stopped. He stopped. If we want to be shaped for serving God and we are truly earnest about serving God, there are times we'll need to stop. Where God will actually say to us, look, I know you're doing this thing, and I know it's right that you're doing this, but actually if you're serving me, you need to serve me in this area right now. That's what Jesus did. His big ministry was about going to the cross and dying for you and for me. That's where he was heading. But he didn't let the fact that that was his ministry stop him from having a servant's heart, which was reaching out to others and meeting their needs. He stopped. And it made me wonder, as we think about serving God, how good are we at stopping? How good are we at when we're on a path and we've got a vision about something that needs to happen? How good are we at saying, oh, actually, I can see this other need going on here. This is what God's calling me to do right now. It doesn't stop us from doing the big thing, but sometimes there are lots of little things along the way. And being servant-hearted leaders... Or being servant-hearted people means that we need to stop. Jesus stopped what he was doing in order to serve God. We need to think about, are we good at recognising the times? We need to stop so that we serve God as he would have us do. There are various barriers to this, and I think one of the barriers that we have at times is busyness. We get so caught up in all the things that we need to get done that we miss the things that God's calling us to do right here and now. And I find that a constant challenge for myself 
you know, in the business of day-to-day ministry to be aware of the needs that are going on for other people, that I don't become so consumed with the things that I think God's calling me to right now that I miss the things that God's saying to me to do. Busyness can stop us from doing that. Busyness can stop us from hearing God. And we need to be people who are prepared and aware enough to stop when we're called to stop and do what God wants us to do. And that very often happens in the little things, the caring things that others need from us, the steps that take us away from what we might think God is saying to us to do overall. But we need to stop and see what God is saying right now. Be available. How available are you and I for God's work? Are we willing to stop and hear what he's saying in spite of the busyness of our lives? The second barrier, I think, comes up in being available for God and saying, yeah, I'll go where God leads, even when I didn't expect it to go down that way, is fear. Fear. Will I be able to do what God has called me to do? Am I good enough to do what God has called me to do? Will I be rejected? Am I just putting myself in a position where you know, I'm going to be hurt? Fear can stop us from being available for serving God because we can hear what God might be saying to us and saying, yeah, I want you to do this or that, but we're afraid that we're not actually going to be able to do it. That others might reject us. Do you have any fears that stop you from serving God, from being available for serving him? Because you and I have been shaped to serve God. And when God calls us to do something, he equips us. He doesn't ask us to be brilliant. He asks us to be available. How available are you or I? And talking about that, about you know, being brilliant at something, that leads us on to our third barrier, perfectionism. Sometimes we want to be so perfect at doing something before we will put ourselves forward that we don't. Because we think, well, actually, I don't think I can do that as well as I want to do it. I don't think I can do that as well as perhaps I ought to do it. So what do I do? I don't do it. You know, our perfectionism can stop us from getting on and doing what God's called us to. That fear that we're not going to be able to do it quite as well as we thought we should be able to do it, so we don't. It's a valid fear. Yeah, of course we're going to be worried about that sort of thing. And what the reverse of this is that we go in and do something in a very slapdash fashion. That we say, well, you know, I can just get away with doing this in this way. You know, that's, that's a risk that we take with this. You know, God doesn't ask for perfectionism, but he does ask for our best. That's what God is looking for from you and me. Not perfection, but our best. And if you and I seek to serve God with our best, doing the job as well as we can, that's all that God asks of us. He doesn't ask for perfection. He asks that we'll be available. Are you and I available for serving God? Do we let our business become a barrier? Do we let our fear become a barrier? Do we let our perfectionism become a barrier? You and I have been shaped for serving God, but if we really want to serve him, the first thing we must be is be available for what God is calling us to do. Are we available for God's work?
second thing we need to do is check understanding. I was, um, I was staying last night with, um, uh, or the night before last, with uh, some friends of mine, and I'm godfather to one of their children, and um, and talking and telling me about the time that um, he had given Phil, the dad, had given his um, so his oldest son, who's about coming up for three now, his first major responsibility. And he said to him, he asked him to keep an eye on his brother as he was sitting on the settee, and his brother's about one and a half. And um, he said, while I'm out of the room, keep an eye on him. Watch him. And, um, and he went out of the room, and a few moments later, he heard a thud and uh, came back into the tears of the youngest child who was crying on the floor. And uh, he said to Joe, he said, um, I thought I told you to watch him. He said, I did. I saw him fall off. <laughs> you know, he had actually done what his dad had asked him, but he hadn't really understood what his dad had asked. I wonder how often we're like that. You know, as we look at the story here again of the disciples, they knew that they'd been called to follow Jesus wherever he might go. But had they really understood? I think we're shown in this story that um, they haven't quite understood. You know, I wonder, as... um, James and John's mother comes to Jesus and asks that her children can sit on the right and the left. I wonder, uh, do you think they got their mum to do that for them? I don't know, possibly. You know, maybe they've gone along and just said, look mum, we want to be, hold the real positions in authority here. I don't know, it may not have been like that at all. But maybe it was just the mum looking at her sons and saying, aren't these wonderful? My children are great. You know, they deserve to have the best place in the kingdom. They deserve to be sitting at the right and the left of Jesus. I wonder if he'd do that for me. The mother's concern for her children. But had they really understood? Whenever I read this and they ask about being on the right and the left, my mind just goes straight away to the cross. Jesus in the cross at the centre and somebody crucified on the right and the left of them. Did they really realise what they were asking for when that was going on. You know, here were they looking for status, looking for position. They didn't understand what Jesus' mission was about. They didn't really understand what serving God was all about. They had a heart for it, but they weren't quite there. You know, if we're seeking to serve God, we need to check our understanding of what God's calling us to do. And we'll need other people to help us do that. That's not something we can do on our own. We need to share the things that we think God is calling us to. We need to put ourselves in the position of saying, yeah, this is what I think God might be saying, but help me work that out. Am I right? You know, that's what the process of getting through to full-time pastoral ministry is about. You, You think God might be saying it. I remember this from my process. I thought God might be calling me to this to be a minister and so I I actually told other people with that and shared that with them and together we began to test that out that's what happens when we're called by God to do things we test things out and we allow other people to help uh, shape 
us and help us move forward if that's the right thing. But we need to check understanding because another of the barriers that we have from this mother's request is a poor understanding and wrong motives. They had a wrong motive there. Their motive was about status. Their motive was about being the ones that everyone else would look up to. It's very easy for us to want to carry out the things that make us look good. We like to get praise. We like to feel worthy. In one sense, there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of who we are. We need to be affirmed in what we do. Part of this, I hope today, as we go around, we'll be affirming people in the role that they actually carry out. We need to be affirmed. But there's a difference between that and actually doing something for position and status. That can be a barrier to our service, when we want to be held in high esteem, when we want power, where we want status for the sake of it. That's a danger. That was their poor understanding. That was their wrong motive. But notice what then happens in the story as well. They get to the point where the other disciples hear about this and they become angry with them. You know, I wonder what they were angry were about. Do you think they were angry that uh, they'd so misunderstood what the gospel was about? Or do you think they were angry because they hadn't got there first and asked Jesus for that request? Again, I don't know. We don't know for sure. But I can't help but wonder that maybe some of their conversations that they were having there were about, well, which one of us deserves to be on the right or left most? I think it's me because I've done this. Oh no, but you've also done that, and so I think it should be me because I've done this. And you can kind of imagine the conversation that might have been going between them. And Jesus hears this, and um, again, I can almost imagine him here just shaking his head and thinking, oh, they've so misunderstood what this is all about. And he says, you know that the rulers of the heathen have power over them, and the leaders have complete authority. This, however, is not the way it shall be among you. You know, it's not about authority, it's not about power. If one of you wants to be great, he must be the servant of the rest. And if one of you wants to be first, he must be your slave. You know, comparing and criticising. I think there must have been a bit of comparing and criticising going on between the disciples then. And that's a real barrier to service. You know, there's two dangers of comparing ourselves with other people. One is this. One is that we look at other people and think, wow, they do such a wonderful job, I could never do as good a job as them, so I'm not going to try it. That's one of the dangers. The other danger is that we look at somebody and think, oh, they made such a pig's ear of that, that anyone could do a better job, and um, I can certainly do a better job, so I'll do it. And, well, if we do do a better job, we're at risk of pride. And maybe actually we haven't fully understood what the job involves and all the difficulties that have been faced in that job. Comparing is a barrier to service. Because either we do it thinking, or we don't do it because we think somebody else is much better, or we do it and think we're much better than other people. And the other thing that is a barrier is the criticism. You know, I know there are people who will not do things because they're afraid of the criticism that they will get from others. You know, it's one of the sad facts. Everyone thinks in church that it's great that other people do things. 
The difficulty is um, they don't do things in the way that we would have done them. You know, I find that all the time. I think, right, okay, I'll ask somebody to do something and they don't do it the same way as me. That doesn't mean to say they're wrong. In fact, they may well have done it a far better way than I would have done it. But they don't do it the same way as me. And there's a danger that when we look at that, it leads to criticism. Why didn't they do it that way? They could have done it that way. They should have done it that way. And, and also, we're very good at hindsight. You know, if you look at our vision, I think most of us have 2020 hindsight. You know, we're very good at looking back and seeing how things should have been done. Not necessarily quite so good at actually getting it right in the first place. But we can end up criticising other people. And that's a real barrier. Sometimes it's a fear of criticism from other people that they think, hey, if I do this, I'm going to be criticised, so I won't. Sometimes it's an actual real thing that people have been criticised and so they don't want to do things in the future. Don't let comparisons and criticisms put you off serving God. You know, Jesus was criticised. Jesus faced a lack of understanding from those who were closest to him, the very people who should understand what he was all about. And they didn't. He didn't stop his ministry because of it. He carried on regardless. And that brings me thirdly and finally, very briefly, I hope, onto the third point of what we need to do as servants. We need to serve as Christ did. Jesus continued to serve even though it would cost him everything. He knew he was on the road to Jerusalem. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew he was going to be lifted up. He knew he had a cup of suffering. You will indeed drink from my cup, but I do not have the right to choose who will sit at my right and my left. Can you drink the cup of suffering that I am about to drink? Jesus asked. And ultimately in verse 28, he shows the recognition of what it means to have a servant heart, like the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to redeem many people. We are called to be like the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life to redeem many people. That's the calling that you and I receive. Not coming to be served, but to offer ourselves in service to others, whatever that might mean. And this is the last barrier that I just want to suggest can happen in, in serving God. We can have a lack of perseverance because things become hard. Things become difficult. Things don't go quite as we expected. Perhaps we have received the criticism. Perhaps we've done some comparisons and we've actually recognised that we aren't as good as other people at doing it. We give up. Perhaps things aren't going so well and so we are afraid. We do have that fear that we're not good enough at doing this. We realise that we can't reach perfection. Maybe life just does get too busy for us to carry through the things that we originally said. You know, all of the other barriers that I've talked about can feed into this last barrier, a lack of perseverance, when we give up, because it's just too hard, it's too painful, too difficult, let's not do it. 
where would we be today if Jesus had taken that attitude? If he had said, hey, it's getting a bit tough now. Let's not go to Jerusalem. Let's have a holiday. Where would we be today? We've been called to serve. You and I. Whether it's easy, whether it's difficult. You know, there are times, I want to say, you know, there are times when it is right to stop things, to give up doing something. Yeah. But I think we far often give up much sooner than God would have us do. So the question, as ever, in this series that I want to leave us with is this. Recognising that we are called to serve God, what are you going to do to serve him this week? What practically are you going to do to serve God this week? Maybe it's just about finding out what you should be doing. That could be the first step. Maybe you're afterwards talking about how you can get involved in church. Maybe that's the first step. Maybe it's you recognise some of these barriers that I've spoken about this morning, the things that stop us serving God. Maybe you need to look at some of those and confess to God. Or maybe you just need to ask him for his strength to help overcome those fears. Maybe there are things in your life that you know you've given greater priority to. Maybe you need to give yourself back to God again and say, look, you're my number one. Help me to serve you. Maybe you need to overcome your own feeling of inadequacy and a lack of self-worth and thinking, hey, why would God ever use someone like me? Let me tell you, God would. God does. God wants to. But you may need to ask God help in really believing that. But each of us needs to ask that question as a response to God's word. What am I going to do to serve God this week? Or am I just going to carry on in the week ahead, come back next Sunday, having not really served? What am I going to do this week to serve God? I have gone on a little bit longer than I intended, but never mind. Let's just take a moment of quiet before we sing a closing hymn and before we take the opportunity to go around and share in this. Let's take a moment to think about what God might be saying to us today about what we need to commit to him in the coming week. Almighty God, we are your servants. We have been called by you to serve with you. In recognising this, we pray this morning that you would help us to be available to whatever you are calling us to. We pray that you would help us to understand your calling. We pray that you would help us to have the same faithfulness that Christ had to his mission. And Lord, we pray as well that as we've looked at a number of barriers that can stop us from serving you, 
we pray that you would help us to remove each of those barriers that stop us from offering ourselves to you. Lord God, may the response of our hearts be to say, I am your servant. I will go where you lead. Help us to make that commitment and to keep that in mind when we leave this place that as we go into the week ahead we will have at the forefront of our minds what am I going to do this day, this week to serve you to go where you lead to do what you want to be the people you want us to be we cannot do that in our strength we can only do it in yours And we ask for that strength, here and now, that you may send us to be your faithful servants in all that we do. We ask these, our prayers, to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Spirit. Amen. So let's stand and sing together a hymn of response that says, Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I will go if you send me.
we were singing that, then I got a sense that there may be people here who want somebody to pray with them over what their purpose is about how they are to serve God. Maybe it's about a particular ministry you feel God calling you to and you want to test that out, but you want to pray it through. After the service, please do speak to myself or to one of the deacons. We will be more than happy to pray for you. Don't let this time go if you are feeling God calling you to something today. And there may well be some, somebody or some people here who feel God's calling them to something. Do take that opportunity to pray it through. But now, Lord, take us, we pray. Take us to saying, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. Take us to go, Lord, wherever you will lead us, holding you and your people in our hearts. And as we do that, may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be with you and those that you love, this day and forever. Amen. Amen.